Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, welcome to the New Testament podcast. I'm going to explain a few things since this is our first first uh, meeting together. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be doing the Gospels, and I'm going to be using what's called the Harmony version of the Gospels, and that means that I'm going to do this in chronological order as opposed to um, going through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, and the reason for that is that what this does in the Harmony version is it puts things in chronological order so that we cover the, the story one time, but we use all four Gospels in doing so. So anyway, that's the format that this will be for. Um, and so I hope, the, hope you like it this way. This will be a little different than just going through the, the Gospels one at a time. Anyway, so we're going to start then with uh, John chapter 1, verse 1 to 18, Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, and Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 38. So you'll see how this flows as we go. So um, anyway, hopefully this is understandable. So to begin with, we're going to start with John chapter 1, and uh, the heading to this that I'm going to use here is called the Testimony of John. So verse 1, and as I mentioned, this will just be for John 1 through 18. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son. Oh, as I mentioned in the introduction, we're also using the Joseph Smith translation. So you'll see as you're reading through the scriptures, if you're using the King James Version, that I'm going to be having some differences because it'll be the Joseph Smith Version. All right, verse 1. In the beginning was the gospel preached through the Son, and the gospel was the Word, and the Word was with the Son, and the Son was with God, and the Son was of God. This talks about Jesus' premortal existence, premortal position as God. The same was in the beginning with God. In these first two verses, John wants to establish three things. One, Jesus Christ was to be the outward and dynamic expression of both his Father's essence and his Father's will. Jesus was eminently suited to this task, for he had developed the very same character and attributes as his Father. And three, the Father and the Son are two distinct persons. Verse 3, all things were made by him, Jesus Christ is Jehovah, and without him was not anything made which was made. So here's uh, some questions to ask. These are all true-false questions. There's ten of them, so think about these. Jesus Christ created the earth, true or false. Number two, Jesus created worlds without number. Jesus was the firstborn spirit of our Father in heaven. Four, Jesus was a God before he was born on this earth. Five, Jesus was the one who established the covenant with Abraham. Six, Jesus was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Seven, Jesus appeared to Moses in the burning bush. Eight, Jesus helped the children of Israel escape from Egypt and parted the Red Sea. Nine, Jesus gave the Ten Commandments to Moses. And ten, Jesus is Jehovah, the God of the Old Testament. Now, those are all true-false questions, and the, tr- and the answer to all of them is true. So you probably got that pretty easily, huh? James E. Talmadge said, We claim the scriptural authority for the assertion that Jesus Christ was and is God the Creator, God who revealed himself to Adam, Enoch, and all the antediluvial patriarchs and prophets down to Noah, 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of Israel as a united people, and the God of Ephraim and Judah after the disruption of the Hebrew nation, the God who made himself known to the prophets with from Moses to Malachi, the God of the Old Testament record, and the God of the Nephites, we affirm that Jesus Christ was and is Jehovah, the Eternal One. Why do you think the creator of the, of the world would choose to come into mortality as a baby born in a humble manger? First Nephi chapter 11 explains, And it came to pass that I saw the heavens open, and an angel came down and stood before me, and he said unto me, Nephi, what beholdest thou? And I said unto him, A virgin most beautiful and fair above all other virgins. And he said unto me, Knowest thou the condescension of God? And I said unto him, I know that he loveth his children, nevertheless I do not know the meaning of all things. And he said unto me, Behold, the virgin whom thou seest is the mother of the Son of God after the manner of the flesh. And it came to pass that I beheld that, the, that, I, that, he was, or that, that she was carried away in the Spirit. And after she had been carried away in the Spirit for the space of a time, the angel spake unto me, saying, Look. And I looked and beheld the virgin again, bearing a child in her arms. And the angel said unto me, Behold the Lamb of God, yea, even the Son of the Eternal Father. Knowest thou the meaning of the tree which thy father saw? And I answered him, saying, Yea, it is the love of God which sheddeth itself abroad in the hearts of the children of men. Wherefore, it is the most desirable above all things. So even early in the Book of Mormon, as we talk about the tree of life, that's a reference or a symbol of Jesus Christ. Verse 4, this is back to John now, John chapter 1, verse 4. In him was the gospel, and the gospel was the life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the world, and the world perceiveth it not. Verses 3 through 9 is the, the showing the existence of light as a fundamental part of the word, which he shares freely with all who come into the world. This verse encapsulated the drama of good versus evil. The effect of this contrast is to say that this dispelling of darkness is an inherent and enduring quality of light and of the one who is personified as light. On the other hand, there was a time when the darkness, or the one of whom it is a personification, attempted to seize and overcome the light. It refers to a specific attempt, a single occurrence, not an ongoing timeless quality. John was foreshadowing a main theme of his gospel, a record of the specific time when, as the light shone in the darkness that has had come upon this world, the prince of darkness attempted and failed to overcome and extinguish that light. A major effort of, of, this, of his gospel is to mirror and witness the dynamic conflict between light and dark, which was to culminate in the Savior's dynamic victory. Doctrine and Covenants section 93 verses 6 through 9 reveals the author of these five verses that I just read out of John. Verse 6 says, And John saw and bore record of the fullness of my glory, and the fullness of John's record, it appears that the record being spoken of was written by John the Baptist. Similarities between this revelation and the testimony of the Gospels, especially that of the Apostle John, indicate that the Gospel writers may have included some of John the Baptist's records with their own. Bruce R. McConkie noted, From Latter-day Revelation we learn that the material in the forepart of the Gospel of John, this is John the Apostle, the Revelator, the, be the Beloved Disciple, was written originally by John the Baptist. By revelation, the Lord restored to Joseph Smith part of what John the Baptist had written and promised to reveal the balance when men became sufficiently faithful to warrant receiving it. 
Doctrine and Covenants 93, verses 6 to 18, revelations of the restoration, that's where that comes from, that quote, is hereafter to be revealed. In this revelation, John the Baptist tells of a vision in which he was shown the power, acts, and glory of Christ in the premortal realms. Likewise, Abraham saw in vision the noble and great spirits whom God appointed to be his rulers, and there stood one among them that was like unto God. Christ was the most intelligent of all the heavenly hosts of our of our Father's children. Indeed, he was like unto God the Father in intelligence and glory, knowing all truth. His knowledge extended to comprehending things as they are, and as they were, and as they are to come. And he bore record, saying, I saw his glory that he was in the beginning before the world was. Therefore... Verse 8, Therefore in the, wor- in the beginning the, wor- the Word was, for he was the Word, even the messenger of salvation, the light and the redeemer of the world, the spirit of truth, who came into the world, because the world was made by him, and in him was the life of men and the light of men. Verse 15, And I, John, bear record, and lo, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Ghost descended upon him in the form of a dove, and sat upon him, and there came a voice out of heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son. Bruce R. McConkie said, It should be evident that John the Baptist had something to do with the, with the recording of events in the forepart of John's gospel, for some of the occurrences include his conversations with the Jews and a record of what he saw when our Lord was baptized, all of which matters would have been unknown to John the Apostle, whose ministry began somewhat later than, than that of, of the Baptists. There's a little doubt but that the beloved disciple had before him the Baptist's account when he wrote his gospel. The latter John either copied or paraphrased what the earlier prophet of the same name had written. The only other possibility is that the Lord revealed to the, to the gospel author the words that had been recorded by the earlier messenger who prepared the way before him. John the Beloved was a disciple of John the Baptist also um, before following Jesus. Verse 6, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. Verse 7, the same came into the world for a witness to bear witness of the light, to bear record of the gospel through the Son unto all, that through him men might believe. Why was John the Baptist's testimony so important? Joseph Smith said, now it was written that the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and to them should the people seek for understanding. And above all, the law binds them and and us to receive the word of the Lord at the hands of the Levites. Therefore, John, being lawful heir to the Levitical priesthood, the, the people were bound to receive his testimony. He, John, having received the holy anointing, was the only lawful administrator, and the Jews all knew it. All Jerusalem and all Judea came out to be baptized of John. Sadducees, Pharisees, Essenes, all the power, authority, and anointing descended upon the head of John the Baptist. This was virtually acknowledged by all Judea and Jerusalem coming out to be baptized of him. That was from the words of Joseph Smith. Verse 8, he was not that light, but came to bear witness of that light. In other words, John, which was the true light, which lighteth every man. Now we're talking about Jesus who cometh into the world. Elder McConkie said, every person born into the world automatically and instinctively knows right from wrong because of the universally bestowed divine endowment called conscience. In other words, the, the spirit of Christ or the light of Christ giveth light to every man that cometh into the world. Doctrine and Covenants section 84 talks about the Spirit of Christ is given to every man that he may know good from evil. J. Philip Schieling, an institute director in Texas, said, It is as though we are all in a huge arena 
in total darkness, searching for a way out. Some panic, some give up, many search aimlessly, all are lost. Suddenly someone opens a door and the light shines in. He is the light that shines in the darkness. Now we can find our way out, now we can go back home. He shows us the way and helps us be sensitive to the light. He also places within each of us our own little light so that we can always see in the darkness, but it, it, but it works only if we follow that light. And he that repents not from him shall be taken even the light which he, hath re, he has received. The possession of light gives us the ability to see our way out of the darkness of this world and find our way back to our Father in heaven. Back to John chapter 1, verse 10. Even the Son of God, he who was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to, they, to them gave he power, or authority, or right, or privilege. Power means more than just ability, but also the rightful authority. To become the sons. The word used is gender neutral, meaning children of God, only to them who believe on his name. This describes what happens when we trust him to such an extent that we simply do whatever he tells us and refuse to do that which he tells us not to do. It is to such people that he gives both the right and the power to become children of God. Verse 13, he was born not of blood, he was born of heavenly father, not nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Our free agency or agent or moral agency to accept him or reject him and the right and power given to those who accept him to become children of God. Verse 14. And the same word was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. When John observed that the Savior was full of grace and truth, it, of course, means that nothing exists in him that is not composed of these elements. There is no untruth in him, and there is nothing that does not partake of grace. Verse 15, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He who cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. For in the beginning was the Word, even the Son, who was made flesh, and sent unto us by the will of the Father. And as many as believe on his name shall receive of his fullness, and of his fullness have, have all we received, even immortality and eternal life through his grace. For the law was given through Moses, but life and truth came through Jesus Christ. For the law was after a carnal commandment to the administration of death, but the gospel was after the power of an endless life through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. And no man hath seen God at any time, Except he hath borne record of the Son, for except it is through him, no man can be saved. So that's uh, the, the part through John that we're going to read today. So now I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 1, verses 1 to 17, and read at the same time Luke chapter 3, verses 23 to 38, because they cover the same thing. Now, in Matthew chapter 1, it uh, goes through and lists the genealogy of Jesus, as does the Luke 23 to 38. In uh, Luke, it goes it goes backwards from Adam all the way down to Jesus, but in Matthew, it starts with Jesus and goes backwards uh, to Adam uh, or to David and Abraham. Um, the uh, and so let me just go through a few things here in. Uh, Beginning with Matthew 1, the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Um, and Matthew is writing to uh, Jewish converts, whereas Luke is writing to, gen to Gentiles. Um, and so in Luke 38, it, it talks about um, 
it says, and, and of Enos, and of Seth, and of Adam, who was, the for, who was formed of God, and the first man, was upon, uh, first man upon the earth. So verse 38 then goes backwards from Adam to Seth to Enos. Um, and so, uh, and then verse 2 in, in uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 2, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas, in other words, Judah and his brethren. And so then it, it uh, goes forward from there. So the Matthew version, it gets us, to, it gets us through Abraham. And the, the, um, the Luke version actually gets us all the way back to Adam. Uh, in verse 34 of Luke chapter 3, then it goes from, uh, it talks about Jacob and Isaac and Therah or Terah or Abraham and then Terah and Nacor. Uh, which is uh, Nahor. Uh, and so then going backwards again from um, in Matthew in Matthew chapter 1, verse 3, Judas begat Pharaoh and Zerah of Thamar, and Pharaoh begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and so on. So that goes back, uh, and then you'll see in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 1, Sam, Salmon, which is uh, Salmon, and Bo, Booz, it says there, but that's Boaz, and Rechab, that's actually... Um, Rahab, uh, and so we see that uh, the genealogy, and then verse 6, Jesse begat David, the king, and David, the king, begat Solomon, uh, and so on. So, and then in Luke, uh, it talks about, uh, in verse, in Luke chapter 3, verse 31, gets us to, to uh, David, and uh, on backwards. Uh, so, anyway, that, uh, I'm not going to read through all of it. Uh, let's go down to verse 16 of Matthew, though. Matthew 1, verse 16, Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, as the prophets have written, who is called Christ. In uh, Luke chapter 3, verse 23, it says, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as it was supposed, of the world, the son of Joseph, which was the son who was from the loins of Heli, or Heli, so uh, the Greek word Christ and the Hebrew title Messiah are the same and mean anointed one. Joseph's genealogy that's mentioned is essentially Mary's because they were cousins. Luke's record is the genealogy of Mary, and Matthew's is that of Joseph. Joseph is named as son by, of Jacob by Matthew and as son of Heli by Luke. But Jacob and Heli were brothers, and it appears that one of the two was the father of Joseph and the other the father of Mary, and therefore father-in-law to Joseph. Heli was the father of Joseph, and Jacob was the father of Mary. That was by Bruce R. McConkie in The Mortal Messiah. Matthew's account is that of the royal lineage, establishing the order of sequence among the legal successors to the throne of David, while the account of Luke is a personal pedigree demonstrating descent from David without adherence to the line of legal succession to the throne through nearness of kin. That was by James E. Talmadge in Jesus the Christ. The infancy narrative of Matthew answers the question of who Jesus was first focusing on Jesus as the promised Messiah of the line of David. Beginning with and descending from Abraham, Jesus' genealogy is broken into three sections. Abraham to David, David to the exile in Babylon, and from the exile to Joseph, and thence to Jesus. And that was Matthew 1 to 16. David thus plays a pivotal role in this succession of ancestors. The fact that Matthew uses 14 generations for each of these divisions stresses Jesus' Davidic heritage because 14 is the numerical equivalent of David's name in Hebrew. The original language of the text 
Mary also seems to have been the house of David, which provides an important genealogical tie for the Savior by carefully noting that her child was of the Holy Ghost and by quoting Isaiah 7.14 that a virgin would conceive, Matthew establishes Mary's purity and the divine nature of her child's conception. That's in Matthew 1.18 and 23 points that Luke and the Book of Mormon also emphasize. However, because kingship descended through the male line, this legal genealogy needed to be traced through Joseph to have the requisite authority. Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but by accepting Mary's son and giving Jesus a name, he legally claimed the child, thereby making Jesus an heir of the royal line. That's why it was so important that Joseph Mary, Mary prior to uh, giving birth to Jesus because uh, in Hebrew custom, that meant then that uh, Jesus was his legal heir. Okay, I think I just read this. Uh, let me read it again. Um, Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, but by accepting Mary's son and giving Jesus a name, he legally claimed the child, thereby making Jesus an heir of the royal line. Moreover, Matthew emphasizes Joseph's important role as Jesus' foster father. Joseph's actions of protecting his young family echo those of Joseph in Genesis, uh, ancient Joseph. Joseph the carpenter or craftsman also receives revelations through dreams and takes his family into Egypt to save them, just like uh, Joseph uh, took Jesus and Mary into Egypt to save them from Herod. Back to Matthew um, chapter 1, verse 17. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon were 14 generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon until Christ were 14 generations. James E. Talmadge said, Had Judah been a free and independent nation, ruled by her rightful sovereign, Joseph would have been her crowned king, and his lawful successor to the throne would have been Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He also said, No mention is found of even an, insu an insinuation that he could not be the Christ through any ineligibility based on lineage. So anyway, that's the end of today's lesson, and we'll see you next time. I hope that uh, you, you notice here what we're doing, that uh, we're using a lot of the Joseph Smith translation. Uh, hopefully that helps in our uh, analysis of what's happening here. Anyway, see you next time. Bye.